when a kaiju sequel comes about, so far they have paled mostly in comparison to their predecessor. But will that streak continue or are we going to see a film series actually build up and increase in interest over time? It's time to find out. This is Kaiju vs. History, a War of the Colossal Beast. Back to the show, everybody. This is Kaiju versus History. I am one of your hosts, Miles Griffin. And what began as a journey through the annals of Kaiju cinema has somehow found me trapped in the 1950s <laughs> with awful, awful American films. <laughs> and joining me and probably celebrating my suffering is my co host. Patrick Brennan. Yeah. Patrick, you're, you're never getting away. You <laughs> never getting out of the 50s. You're trapped here forever in a Twilight Zone like existence. No, it's, it's as soon as we get done here today, Miles, we don't have like another American kaiju movie, I think, for a long time. <laughs> Thank God. Yeah. Well, we do but, have some British ones, and they're. Yeah. They're, they're, I mean, well, the ones that we are doing at first, I think, are a little bit better. But yeah, that, they, that's, they... <laughs> that's the thing. This 50s have just been all America or all Japan for the most part. We are going to kind of break that tradition next week. But yeah, the 60s, when we get there, are all over the place. You've got all kinds of countries throwing their hats in the ring, making their own version of Godzilla, basically. But yeah, the, this is that we're getting towards the end of the 1950s, so you don't have to worry about that too long. This, as I said in the intro, is our third sequel on this show, like kind of direct sequel. And we were not, just a reminder, in love with The Amazing Colossal Man, 1957's Amazing Colossal Man. Miles, we both gave it, in the end, a 4 out of 10. Now, if I recall, you, you liked this one a little bit better than I did. So War of the Colossal Beast, I I mean, we'll, we'll talk about it as we get into it. I mean, you have to agree at the very least. I think it looks better in a lot of places. I don't know. Maybe I, I believe I watched it on Tubi. And I think they because they there is a Blu-ray version of this film. They were just able to get a better kind of print, better cut. Yeah, so, so, some mad lad out in the world has converted a lot of these movies into 4K on YouTube. <laughs> and I so I watched this in like pristine quality, which is, you know, I love that someone is doing this. I, I really and truly do. <laughs> um, I, but it's at the same time, I'm like, ah, why can't I get 4K War of the Colossal Beast, but I can't get 4K Surf Ninjas. Uh, this, this is an <laughs> unjust and cruel world. Yeah. So I, I will say this. I do think how the effects are handled are better than the original film. That's not saying a ton mm-hmm. because I mean, it's, it's like, yeah, they, they, they kind of learned how to, how to film something slightly better than the last time. But before we get into that, Patrick, I would, I would like for, for you to, as you always do, tell us what's in a title. Yeah. So a, a good deal as we start in talking about where the colossal beast 
and we'll talk about a good deal more. I, I mean, I guess the word colossal is in it, tying it to the original film, The Amazing Colossal Man. And he's more beast-like in this movie than he is a large human. We The, the actor and the, the monster itself has one line, one word he says in the entire movie is his sister's name. And yeah, I, I don't understand. I mean, I, I guess if we're going to drill down deeper in this title, there's not really a war going on <laughs> with, with the colossal beast. I, I guess... I, seems... I am almost positive this was what's going to look more bombastic on a poster. Yeah. And, and that's say. what they went with. I mean, see, I he can fights imagine the military, you know, in the movie. There's... Well, I can also imagine the scenes that or the behind the scenes for, for making this film is, is not too different from the Tim Burton production of Ed Wood, where mm. it's like we came up with a title on a poster. Now go make this movie. Yeah, for real. Uh, but it did get play across the world, maybe surprising or unsurprising. This is a kind of popcorn movie that went to drive-ins. This was Mm -hmm. the A movie. And in, let's see, Argentina, it was La Guerra de la Colossos, the War of the Colossi in which France indicates there's more than one Colossus. Yeah. (laughs) That's just what Google translate gave me. If it was two giant dudes, like, you know, duking it out, Okay, we might have ourselves a little bit of an entertainment. <laughs> yeah, man. What if the the fifty foot woman just showed up and started uh, well, slapping? I mean, what them? if it was essentially a wrestling match, but these two guys are just duking it out in essentially a, a model village? I, I'd be okay with that. that would... Should there be a a segment of of our podcast where we just remake the movie so it actually is entertaining? Because that that makes sense. It's like they should try and like make their own the military scene they can make 80 foot people you know <laughs> just starts exposing well, they did it once you know <laughs> more more a bomb test yeah well that that brings us to france's title which was le retour de homme colosse uh, the return of the colossus man which that's is more, more yeah well it it's also it ties in as a sequel a little bit more and this only came out a year after the, the original movie. So I don't know why they didn't try and push that it was a sequel. War of the Giant in Russian. Um, West Germany had Revenge of the Colossal Man. So a couple, couple titles that kind of tied into the first one. And yeah. I, I also want to point out that I, I guess Patrick has gained precognitive powers because in, in our shared document where we, we make notes about the film, he has a lot of things written specifically to me. Oh, yeah. As if foreseeing that I am going to have very strong opinions about this movie. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I, I've written that how much you need to calm down, <laughs> Miles. Uh, well, do we... you, you've made some bold statements here that I do not agree with whatsoever. <laughs> <laughs> well, f- before we get too much into the, the history of the movie, uh, let's do just a quick recap of the, the film and maybe where we're at so far, just like the movie does <laughs> a couple points to remind you. In <laughs> yeah. fact, this is a sequel. And, and, and in fact, for 10 minutes, you have to relive parts of that movie. Yes. Yeah. And th- I mean, they, they just, we're going to pad ourselves for time here. Watch the original de- attack on Las Vegas. For- I'm, s- I'm so interested because there is a ton 
of this film that has the the footage from the amazing colossal man i wonder if like the way contracts were written or whatever did glenn glenn lanning who played the original glenn manning get any money for this movie you know was was there any like residuals because he is technically in this film you know you know and i i don't know i don't know how that kind of stuff if it was archival if you ever had to be compensated because i think at the time it was oh you did this we paid you for it that's it we own this footage and can just cut and splice it however we want yeah so what do you have in the way of a of a recap for the the story here of war of the colossal beasts he's back essentially it's it's a it's the hulk origin story Mm. you know a a in this instance he was a airwayman wasn't he lieutenant colonel Glenn Manning, army officer. He was an army officer. Okay. Yeah. So there, there was a, a, a plutonium bomb test and there was a, a plane that we never get an answer to. Oh, that guy's definitely dead. I don't know. Uh, but, but who that was, why they were there. We never know. But, but Glenn Manning sees that this, this plane has crashed and is trying to go save the person who feasibly could be alive. However, the test is counting down. The bomb goes off mm-hmm. and Glenn Manning is subject to is it gamma radiation? I don't think they say gamma radiation. They but just say radiation, don't they? Yeah, it, it's a, a radiation origin story. Like you said, very similar to the Hulk, and he just keeps growing. So it, yeah, and then the, he yeah he just keeps growing, and then the, the original film. There's a great deal with his fiance um, trying to track him down, which you enjoyed. I, I like that part mm-hmm. as well. And eventually we do find that he's unconscious and being held in a, an old kind of military installation, but yeah, he just keeps growing and kind of losing his mind a little. And at the end, he, so he walks, you know, extremely confused through Las Vegas and gets to not the Hoover dam. It's, it's another one that's in Nevada. It's at the end of end of the first movie, they get him to fall into the Colorado river after apparently hitting him, I guess, in the face with like an RPG or some kind of so what they launcher. Say, he he gets hit with something. They just shoot him and he, <laughs> he falls off. But they, they 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 mentioned in this movie that the the face face damage that he has in this one, which shouldn't exist or, or would have killed him. <laughs> yeah, we see his skull poking. Yeah, out. you see his skull. I mean, it looks kind of cool. But at the same time, you're like, what is happening? They say that it, that was sustained when he landed. Oh, really? That he must have that he must have hit his face a certain way, and because it went untreated, it just decayed. And <laughs> it's it's gross looking. It's yeah, gnarly. Weird. Yeah, uh, it, it's it's weird because I was very surprised because I was like, did I miss something in the first <laughs> film? I don't I don't think this facial industry uh, injury happened. I would go um, back and watch the end to answer the question, but I don't care that much. Well, and that's that's where I was at because uh, I very much disliked the first one, and yeah, that we're trend both, we're moves, both there. moves to the second as well. So um, the, the second one starts up, and it, it starts with a little bit of mystery, which you know the, the beginning's not that bad that these trucks are, are going missing in Mexico, and you get a, a similar to to them, someone kind of strung out in the desert and a, a food delivery man kind of crazily ranting that they bring back. And we meet our new protagonist in the form of uh, Joyce Manning 
his sister, Glenn Manning's sister, who <sighs> thinks that her brother is alive and is snatching up food trucks. And he is <laughs> spoiler. And but he's completely feral now, you know, whatever oh, confusion yeah. we'll, that was we'll, happening. We'll talk about that because uh, that that aspect of it made it oh, almost unwatchable for me. <laughs> well, there's a couple things. That's that's the basic plot of this one. You know, he's back and he's more beast like than ever. You know, he's a colossal beast this time. Yeah, so, well, we'll, we'll get into it. Let's let's pop back a little bit and let's talk about mm-hmm. Mr. Big himself. Bird Eye Gordon. Yeah. Yeah. And and a little bit about the making of this disaster piece. Well, let me start off by saying, Miles. Whether you like it or not, uh, Bird Eye Gordon and his his co-producer, Samuel Z. Arkoff, who's who's made this and a, a bunch of other giant monster movies. He started off with the the Cyclops and did, you know, Earth versus the, the Flying Saucers. They are our Ashiro Honda and slash producer Tomoyuki Tanaka of the U.S. Because they I mean, that is patently untrue. Uh, that, is, that is patently untrue. If Ray Harryhausen is the EJ Subaraya, I, I will not stand by for this this slander. There's not that many other directors that really will kind of kick up their their heels, dig in, and make multiple giant kaiju movies. But Bird Eye Gordon is one one out there doing that. <laughs> <laughs> and and his producer uh, Zarkov. Yeah. So this is like the fourth giant creature movie that that bird eye gordon has has put forth maybe even more if you count king dinosaur which we did not put on the kaiju list and yeah this is also kind of the culmination of his his giant monster movies he'll come back in the the 60s and and do some including village of the giants which is one of uh, several food of the gods adaptations and then in the 70s just does Another one called The Food of the Gods, <laughs> a, a film version of that. That I uh, mean, I, I would argue like, I don't know. I yes, there are not that many people do it in, in the States doing a ton of giant monster movies. That That is absolutely true. But that doesn't mean that he is the equivalent of a Honda in the States. Like <laughs> I said, whether you I, liked it or not. <laughs> no, I meant I, it. I patently disagree like that. That is that is false. That is absolutely false. I mean, ah, I he's like he's like the the evil mirror universe of Ashiro Honda. You know, I I really do feel like in in the ways that Ashiro Honda kind of goes above and beyond and really shepherds these films from concept. He's more like William Castle without the pizzazz. (laughs) <laughs> yeah yeah shira honda really puts a lot of heart and soul into these and it seems like almost the opposite of bird eye gordon like they get made but i don't know in this movie i feel like he is trying a little bit harder because we this is a sequel and i maybe they just saved some of the budget having to reuse like 10 minutes of, of footage or, or what have you but like i said things do look a little bit better in this movie coming off of attack of the 50 foot woman i i enjoyed this one a good deal more <laughs> than than that movie in in some ways but yeah it was also written by bird eye gordon but additional screenplay credits went to 
George Worthing Yates, who we might have mentioned before. We haven't really spoken too much on on him on the podcast, but he's a sci-fi juggernaut here in America. He had writing credits on them. It came from beneath the sea of Earth versus the flying saucers, whole bunch of science fiction and giant monster movies. Well, and most notably, uh, his final credit is for the American version of King Kong versus Godzilla. The American version. Oh, that's interesting. I, I believe we mentioned him for it came from beneath the sea, but at, at that point, obviously it was, it was fairly early on in, in the fifties. As I said, this movie was prepackaged, a double feature, though not directly advertised as a sequel to The Amazing Colossal Man, was per, put on top of another Burt I. Gordon movie, the B-film Attack of the Puppet People, which is very similar and not on the list because it's not really kaiju, but it does play with a lot of the same ideas of people are kind of shrunk down and have to deal with regular size things like a cat, which is now a giant to them. <laughs> so I, I I feel like if you had gone out to the drive through to watch those two movies back to back, it would have been fun. It would have been a, a, a great combo. I, I feel like that works a little bit better than two films that aren't really kind of thematically or directorially linked. But yeah, we, we talked about <laughs> this movie went into production nearly immediately. I think after the first one came out because it, it, you know, made money. It did well. Yeah. I, I don't know, but it, it did do well. And I think that for this one, I, I kind of understand why they didn't market it as a sequel. Like, really? because part of it is that if the way they titled it is, if you were a fan of the first movie and you saw that title, you, you, you have to think, okay, this is a follow up to this movie. I enjoy. Mm -hmm. If you had never seen the amazing colossal man, because I feel like we're still in a time where sequels are a little bit untested in terms of actual sequels. Right, right, yeah. So this way you can you can follow that movie up. And this movie does that. You can follow that movie up, but you can also make it its own independent thing. So if I had never seen The Amazing Colossal Man and I'm at the drive-in or thinking about going to the drive-in, I'm like, oh, well, this sounds interesting. War of the Colossal Beast. That Okay, yeah, I'm going to give that a shot. I think they did that intentionally. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Because especially... You know, in in the pre, well, especially the pre Godzilla sequels era, but also the the, the pre blockbuster, like like the seventies blockbuster movies, mm -hmm. sequels are I don't want to say a rare breed because they definitely happen, but they're they're not as guaranteed as they would be now if the movie does well. It's so funny, you know, in today's cinema kind of world, sequels are just kind of a given if like a movie does well but i feel like back then especially like when we were growing up if a movie got a sequel that sometimes was looked at as i don't know, like cashing out or with a lot of films especially like disney films for example the sequels because they usually make their films very like open and closed you know they lived happily ever after the right. sequels were always like a lesser thing and oftentimes direct to video but yeah, I mean, they were almost almost entirely were directed video, with the exception of maybe Return to Neverland. Um, yeah, there weren't there weren't really any until we got to the Pixar kind of stage of things. In which case, oh, it's time to crank out those sequels. But I, I get what you're saying. That I mean, they were, I guess, thought of as kind of cash grabs for the most part. Whereas if you try and make it seem like this could be its own movie by, you know, uh, putting the same figure on the poster but like <laughs> really messing up uh, his face and and looking 
looking a little bit different. Maybe like you said, some people that have seen it will want to go see it, but if you haven't, you're not going to play. Oh, well, it, you know, this isn't the amazing colossal man two, for example, like you don't, they, they, I mean, they didn't it, want it you. is and it isn't. <laughs> well, they didn't want you to have to think that you had to see the first movie, which you well, don't. Especially because they, because they play 15 minutes, the first one for you. Yeah, and I, I put that in the win column for this movie, you know. Well, it's, and it's it's smart. interesting because, you know, Kai, Kaiju Cinema does lend itself towards sequels because you want to see that same monster more. I mean, there's mm. 32 Godzilla films, if you count everything, or, or maybe a little bit more. And so... You know, it's because we want to see, you know, our favorite monster do stuff again. It's mm-hmm. how Universal, you know, talking about sequels, they they went on with, you know, five, six, seven movies per per monster for sometimes. It's because people want to see that creature again or that character again. So I can I can definitely see that Gordon may have thought, I've got something here with War of the Colossal Man. He may have liked the material. And, you know, I I I, I can understand that because there's there's more to explore there, even though I don't think the first movie was a good film and I don't think it was honestly that fun for me. I can still see from a narrative perspective why this movie has a follow up and why following this specific giant creature could be interesting. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, besides money, I think there's there's kind of some ideas that they, they bring in here that are at least as good as the original, like trying to like remind him of of his humanity it doesn't really go anywhere but well well and i should say i can see why it would be interesting to be clear it's not but i can (laughs) see why it would be yeah and you know it like like we said these these are not in the american films for the most part with a few exceptions like great works of art these are typically drive-in theater movies they are they're made quickly and cheaply and a lot of them feel like television productions this one, not so much. I feel like this one actually has that polish of a, a Hollywood film for for the most part. But yeah, it, let, it, it does. Yeah, let's 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 dive in a little bit more. So yeah. the, the Colossal Beast has been replaced. Glenn Longen, the first one is replaced by Dean Parkin, who I can't tell if yeah. he can act or not because he's not really called to act. Yeah, and I mean, you get one eye of emotion and like half of a mouth. So most of the the reactions we get from the colossal beasts in this film is you know Rah! kind of things. And, and I'll, I'll I'll touch more on my opinion of the depiction and the execution of the colossal beast when we get into the the movie itself. Yeah, I I do not enjoy Mr. Parkin's performance here for a very specific reason, but. It's it's a bummer that they didn't try to lean more into the 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 soul of the first one in in its narrative because I thought the most interesting part was about this tragic man mm-hmm. and by making him a just a mindless monster it's because he's a human being as opposed to a typical you know mystical creature mm-hmm. it's a little bit less interesting to watch him yeah yeah I I enjoyed parts of the first film that were showing maybe that 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 had Glenn Langing, you know, kind of emoting and 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 pouting that, you know, either he's gonna die or he's just going to like completely lose himself. They talk about how his heart's gonna get too big for him to keep moving. You know, there's some some pathos there. And in this movie, that core is taken up by uh, Sally Frazier plays Joyce Manning, as I said, the sister of Glenn Manning, 
and is kind of the the character that takes the place of Glenn's fiance role from the first film, Carol Forrest, who is played by Kathy Downs. And I went back and I was re- <laughs> reading the notes. It is hilarious because in the first movie, Carol states that she is his only family. She is there's no immediate family in Glenn's life, which is why she is so invested in tracking him down and making sure he's okay as he, you know, and, and, and trying to find us, help them find a solution as he's growing big. But it makes no sense that she's absent in this movie because, you know, she doesn't die in the first one or anything. Like, why wouldn't she be there to help out as well? Besides the fact that they couldn't get Kathy Downs back for the role. They couldn't get Glenn Langan back for the role. So, yeah, Sally, Sally Frazier is here as his sister, who I guess he just forgot about. And... It's fine. Maybe he never told his fiance about her. I don't know. It's 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 a weird omission. But also, why this doesn't bill itself so much as a sequel as it does kind of a a spiritual follow up, even though it uses the same footage from the prior movie. So it is a sequel. They don't get the main cast back, so it's kind of, I mean, not really a reboot. It's just like a. It feels like a more of an unauthorized sequel, even though it's by the same director and studio and everything. So, I mean, I will say Sally Frazier does a pretty solid job throughout. She's the most capable actress Mm -hmm. or performer in this entire production. Yep. We get to see her do some scream queen kind of things that don't give her too much. It does feel like, yeah, in part, she's just there to kind of give reactions to what's going on in the and, scene. And that, 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 that's a, a massive problem with this film is I don't really feel that there's many characters except yeah. for a gentleman who loves saying, you get the picture? <laughs> there's some some great 50s military and scientist stereotypes uh, in the film, but yeah, a lot of the characters... Oh, I I, I don't um, think Swanson was either. The, I think he was just some guy, wasn't he? Like yeah. He ran a gun club. <laughs> <laughs> there's there's major mark uh, baird in the film who's played by roger pace dr conarco played by russ bender who as i was doing research for this movie is in the amazing colossal man as a character named richard kingman who i don't remember <laughs> who that was i guess that was another potential military character maybe he was one of the military guys in the beginning with Glenn Langing, but he plays a different character in this film. <laughs> Obviously, just like the Toho system, because this is America's Ashira Honda films, they reuse actors, you know, between the the films, including like like you said, Dean Parkin playing the Colossal Man, who was also the Cyclops in the 1957 film by Bird Eye Gordon. And the makeup from that movie so part of the the facial makeup that was put on Colossal Beast was reused from that film. So they look very similar. I think it's on the different side of the face in, in the Cyclops, which I haven't seen in a long time. But yeah, using actors and assets from from a lot of films or films from a lot of films using, like you said, that 10 minute interval. And let, let's get to that, because that's actually one of my, I think, boons of of watching this movie is that extended flashback sequence makes it so if you wanted to, 
you don't have to watch The Amazing Colossal Man <laughs> because it really is like a clip show of some of the best scenes, you know, just recapping exactly what's happened in, in the first movie, which if the first movie isn't out anymore, you know, there's really not a way to watch it back in 1958 when this one comes out. So that makes sense to me that they, yeah, they no, it, it absolutely makes sense. You know, for, for me, part of the, the interesting stuff about the first movie was kind of the, the cloak and dagger, you know, undisclosed location government stuff. And yeah. with, um, none, of, none of that in the flashback, really. Yeah, it's it's. I mean, it's basically the secret origin of the Colossal Man as we know him, and because this movie is, you know, yes, someone is disappearing. Basically, food trucks in Mexico, mm-hmm. and no one can really figure out what's going on. And we see that one of one of the robberies has had a survivor in a a young Mexican boy who was taking a job for Swanson, who runs a local gun gun club. Uh, named Miguel and yeah just like in them you've got us he's got this shocked reaction from his encounter with the colossal man and does a very very ear-piercing scream when he's woken up that I found very (laughs) off-putting and 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 would have liked a heads up on so that I could lower my my (laughs) earphones these characters like are only in the first like third of the movie <laughs> so well yeah so the, this whole thing draws the, the attention of his sister and the, the military who are are still looking for the amazing colossal man because they say mm-hmm. they never found his body and their his sister especially is convinced that he's still alive and yeah. they want to help at, him at this point i don't think the military so much believes it but they're looking into it in case perhaps and and that that, that might, be, might be true, but I mean the, the the military is at least helping out. Yeah, Joyce. Yes, and, and rightly so because it's like well, if you, I mean, how do you, you couldn't lose that body, you know, <laughs> right? Like, well, can they so the, find it? So apparently, the they mentioned that the part that he fell in could could get as deep as a mile. <laughs> yes, not in reality, but in the movie. Correct. I get, yes. I think the Colorado River is at its deepest like 100 feet, you know. <laughs> yeah, I I, I <laughs> what river I mean, goes down a mile? <laughs> yeah, it's it's that, that's that's an ocean. <laughs> <laughs> I don't I don't there're not many oceans that go down that super deep. But yeah, that's that's the explanation and they're like, "Oh, we can't find it." It's like, "No, you don't lose." <laughs> kaiju yeah basically so the depths of the colorado river range from 88 to 60 feet which is the which is exactly how tall the colossal man was now if if he is horizontal sure he could have plopped down 60 feet and been whisked away i suppose yeah yeah and that's what what happens he shows up in mexico and he hungy you know he's gotta right just rob uh rob bread trucks or whatever and and pilfer them and that's actually my favorite scene of the movie probably is when we get to see him finally pop up over the the mountains and he's holding the toy truck and we get to see the makeup for the first time and it it's a well-framed shot you know it actually looks good it is a good reveal and it's yes the the shots of the amazing colossal man are much much better than the first one where he was nigh transparent imagine seeing that on a huge drive-in screen and 
I mean, it looks better than the the <laughs> equivalent shot in Godzilla of the puppet over the the mountain side. And I mean, not saying it looks a lot better, but it looks better, I would say. So probably the best reveal of, it, of a kaiju in in a lot of these these films. It's a great reveal until he makes noise. <laughs> um, yeah, so I found the the weird drunk uncle uncle grunting that the colossal beast does in this film so ear splitting. Mm. I, I I mean, for whatever reason, like it's just one of those sounds to me that was like nails on a chalkboard, and it made this movie almost unwatchable. Imagine if it and, was in front of you in real life, and it you know it sounded <laughs> like a. A, a thunderclap. I tell, tell him to cut it out. Like <laughs> hey, I you mean, don't make it, me stab your foot with a needle. <laughs> it, it made it really unpleasant to watch the movie because mm-hmm. like, I understand that roars have to be, you know, a certain thing, but like just the way it was done at the, for whatever reason, how the sound was, was leveled. It just, it just gave me a headache and it was very, very, very difficult for me to mm-hmm. make it through the rest of this movie because of that. Because every time he's on screen, because I guess the actor wanted to chew up as much scenery as he could. So he's just hamming it up with a he's he's very animalistic, which is like, you know, Glenn Manning's mind is supposed to be completely gone, wiped out for for whatever reason. So I, I, I mean, I mean, I don't know. I go to the zoo. I don't know how many animals are constantly <laughs> like making their noise. Oh, zoos can get pretty loud, but zoos yeah. can because you have uh, so many animals like, you know, at any given moment. But like, you know, if you if you're watching like the polar bears, whatever, they're not constantly <laughs> roaring. I, I will say I think there's a good amount that does work with this movie more so then it's original. The action is, is pretty good. There's like multiple sequences where he, you know, escapes the military base or they're trying to drug him. So they, they bring the truck out and things like that. But for the most part, the middle part of the film does, I think begin to drag a little bit. And that's when we get the extended flashback sequence, which if we hadn't just watched <laughs> the original yeah, a few weeks ago, of it. it might be actually kind of interesting because it's well, it's a different actor playing the main character, and it's you know very much like a montage. We're just seeing a hour long movie kind of condensed down into those ten minutes. So for the most part, I like that more than watching the original movie at the very least. But there, there's a bunch that doesn't work. It seems like they're going for a serious tone, whereas Attack the Fifty Foot Woman is. Like they're, I guess, leaning into the camp, but this movie feels like Bird Eye Gordon is trying to make like a serious, you know, sad. It's very sad, in my opinion, drama about this well, this beast that used to be a human. You know, if it, I, I can definitely see that that might have been the take, but I, I think part of it is that it feels like there's no characters in this movie. Like yeah. Sally Fraser is his sister, but like. They don't do anything with her. She's just well, the, you know, it's everyone so, just is moving stuff along, but no one really has any pathos. There's definitely no soul all, in this film. All they got to do is make a flashback. Like they, they use f- the f- framing of flashbacks in the first movie as, as Glenn. I don't know why I'm talking about this first one. Like it's a work of art, but they use flashbacks to frame their relationship and show them 
the fiance and, and, and Glenn getting closer. It's like, you could have just done that for the sister and bing, yeah, bang, and boom. Had, and and had care. a moment where they communicated in the, in that same way. And <laughs> what, you could have, once again, we need to make a segment of the show, which is just make this movie, not a four out of 10. Now, yeah, I, I, I give will me say a weekend and I'll, I'll do it. I have a, a least favorite scene as well in this movie, uh, which maybe you can read here in my notes. But when they capture the colossal beasts and oh. there's there's an extended game of telephone played up where these various agencies are calling one another to pass the buck and are refusing to take charge of the situation they are padding this thing for a runtime. <laughs> and I, I get it. You don't want a movie that's 45 minutes long, but it just, cause this it, movie stands at like 69 minutes. Like it's, yeah. it's, it's one of the reasons why the original film, which was also very short, didn't get like a zero <laughs> 10 because it, it's very quick, you know, at the very least, even with the 10 minutes flashback to the first food. Yeah, movie. I mean, I was able to, you know, get the, the dishes done. <laughs> I'm but, not going to lie. I was watching this while I was putting away groceries, <laughs> cleaning up the fridge. I know I, I was I was doing something similar and and that that helped. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, it's I mean, when this movie was put out, this is like you said, it's for a bunch of canoodling teens yeah. in the back of uh, <laughs> a bucket I, I, seat. I, I, I do not know how anyone gets it on with that <laughs> going on the background. Cause that's well, no, uh, that's when your, your love interest gets scared and you put your arm around them. And <laughs> I don't think anyone them. at all is <laughs> going to be scared by that. I, I would just turn off the speaker. Well, it, you know, it's that's funny is, uh, one of the the top reviews while I was I was reading this, I don't think it's it's on there anymore. For the colossal beast was I was scared when I watched this movie, but I was two years old. <laughs> um, and that 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 is that is the appropriate that is the appropriate reaction. <laughs> this, I mean, this, for uh, for me, the only way this this film has maintained any sort of watchability is due to it being riffed in MST3K. Or featured on Spengoolie. Uh Yeah, it it has. I mean, it's like I said, it's crazy that this has a Blu-ray release at this point. But it is one of those very classic kind of cheesy movies. I think the film itself is probably better represented than even Attack of the Fifty Foot Woman in its its legacy. Even though no one's really seen this film, and I feel like more people watch. At least Attack of the Fifth of a Woman, because it has a place in popular culture. Whereas this one, it doesn't really, you know, not a, not a huge legacy for this one. No, the, blu- the Blu-ray does have a commentary track and and has an alternate ending instead of the color. Who gives, who gives the commentary? I I looked it up. There's you know like film historians and and monster experts that kind of weigh in on on the okay film. so so no no one who was alive during the making of this movie <laughs> no but people care about you know bird eye gordon films and i can understand why this one got that treatment from shout factory a blu-ray treatment i have seen while i was doing research for for this and for the amazing colossal man you can buy like you know busts of both the cyclops and glenn lanning and <laughs> the the beast from from this movie which kind of forms an odd trilogy <laughs> of bird eye gordon movies so i mean there are people out there that that 
unironically enjoy these 1950s monster oh, films. I, I get that. And I, I feel bad because especially since I'm, you know, typically one to give anything a shot. I feel like I've been so hard on these American movies as I have been. But like there, there is a specific lack of spirit in some of these movies that that makes some of the kind of trashier films that I watch more mm-hmm. fun or even just silly movies that I watch. There, there is some some legitimacy in in the expression that they're they're trying to do and i, I don't feel that here I don't, I don't feel that with brodie gordon uh a lot i mean i do like did he do earth first of the flying saucers yeah yeah well i don't know if he directed that one. Oh, you know what maybe maybe not but i i do very much enjoy that movie be, because you know, there's there's a little bit more behind it especially something like the day the earth stood still like some of my feelings about American monster movies, specifically the giant monster movies of the 1950s, is not the same as my feelings about American sci-fi. You know, unfortunately for for well for me, a lot of the giant monster movies that were coming out in the byproduct of, of 50s American sci-fi is not the best work in in American science fiction. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, do you? Do you have anything to say, other historical notes before we get on to our rating of this film? Because I'm interested to, to to hear how you enjoyed it. <laughs> Unfortunately, with uh, some of these Are you? <laughs> American movies, there's not too much about the, no, the thought isn't. process, the design process of the, <laughs> the films it's, themselves. It's almost like there was no thought put into it. <laughs> I'm just being uh, mean now. <laughs> So now comes the time we're going to rate this movie. Both Patrick and myself use a scale of one to 10 to individually look at the personal enjoyment, yikes, the technical and aesthetic elements of the film, eh, and the emotional and vocal responses that this generates as a piece of art. <laughs> so uh, we will combine those scores to get one number, and that will be our personal rating for the film. Patrick, I have a feeling you enjoyed this much more than I did, so why don't you kick us off with your personal enjoyment? Yeah, and I I really am unapologetic about this because I definitely enjoyed this more than the original film, which I think each were kind of plotting in parts. I enjoyed this a probably on par with attack of the 50 foot woman. That one was very kitschy, very campy. Whereas this one kind of took a more serious tone, you know, for the most part, which I, I could enjoy. And because they're both so short, even the black and white, it's just makes them kind of watchable. I, I feel like this one is, is a little higher than average because I could see myself watching this. I don't see myself ever wanting to watch the original really again anytime soon but yeah i think this really delves into the spectacle which is why people want to go out to kaiju films in the first place to see a giant monster kind of stomping around we have an amazing kind of ending with this film the only other time i feel like the spectacle has been surpassed in american movies is really the works of stop motion master ray harryhausen so for all that reason, I, I gave this one a seven out of ten. So, like I said, up there with the deck of fifty foot woman, I could I could watch this one again a, a good deal sooner than than the original film. What what about you, Miles? Well, as as I stated before, I, I found specifically the roaring made this movie almost unwatchable, <laughs> and I mean, it really. I mean, it was something that that really grated to me that that. Mm-hmm. Because everything else about the film felt so subpar to me, I I felt 
I, I don't feel bad about this. I, 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 I really very much did not enjoy my experience and I gave it a two. Oh, that is that on our scale <laughs> enraging. <laughs> I, and, and that's how I felt. I was actively angry, partly because I just, I thought the beast was awful. Mm-hmm. I, I really, I thought how they chose to depict him was was terrible i thought he looked cool which is yeah. gonna lean into the technical uh, aspect the technical aspect because i i gave that a four because oh, okay so still still, it's still not good <laughs> it's still not good it's better yeah than the first one oh i, and, I say a good and, deal better and the makeup work is is solid like i could almost see myself getting a five for for some of those technical things there that it's not bad in that aspect but the script <laughs> And subsequently, a lot of the performances as a result of the poor script keep that number mm. down. I can see a ding in it on, on the script. I gave the original, I think, technical aspect a five, which is very flawed, but still worthy. And I thought some of the things they did with him getting bigger, like holding up the little phone in the first one was pretty good. This one I thought was a little bit better, to be honest, you know, from the composite sh- the way the the composited shots were put into effect, you know, these oh, giant better, yes. chains going up to the camera, we get to see kind of like his point of view and when he's in the hangar and even the color ending when he when he is electrocuted on the the wires and, and it flashes into a a color movie for a little while. I thought that was interesting. So, uh, one more than the original film which I gave a 5. I think this one's a 6 which is interesting ideas <laughs> doesn't really have a great execution but is interesting they it's i think a marked improvement over the the first movie At, and, and for cultural i i give it a four it's almost never talked about uh, the fact that it has been on MST three can spend is what gives it a little bit of a boost but even those episodes yeah. from what i remember aren't like ones that people talk about very often they're not really that memorable so th- this one just hasn't really been a significant movie to me i i can understand that i gave it a little bit better at a five i don't think that this is required watching if you're going through a a kaiju kind of deep dive i think if you're going to pick between this one attack of the 50 foot woman or of course the amazing colossal man Definitely not the amazing colossal man. In my mind, it's kind of a a mixed bag between the expectations of attack of the 50 foot woman. And then this movie's execution, but it's, it's sad. I feel like it could have done a little bit better by building onto the characters from the first movie, but just kind of pushes them aside to make these new ones. And it's, I don't know. It, it, it does have some serious kind of aspects to it, but I gave it a five out of 10. So I'm kind of right there with you on, on that one, which means you you're giving this one a four out of 10. I'm mm-hmm. giving it a six out of 10, which uh, is another of <laughs> many movies that we are combined. Given I, I, I am, show I am waiting it down <laughs> <laughs> a show ending of five, which right. Is that the, yeah, uh, six and four <laughs> average together is six and is three. I think. Oh, I actually maybe a what? What do you gave two, four, and four? Two, two four. Yeah. So, so that's ten divided by three is three point three three repeating, which would mean we we would go down for that, and so that's that. My score is a three, yeah. which means it's a four out of ten, which makes me 
much happier about it. Well, to be, to be honest, so I think we actually added our our full scores together. It is a four point six <laughs> after all is said and done. If you gave it a three 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 and I gave it a six, that is nine. Wait, wait is is that right? Maybe we should stop holding these back from one another. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I'm not good at math, Miles. Don't make me do it live. (laughs) I'm sorry. Yours were four, four, and two. Yeah, so it is 4.6. So if if by some curse of the gods you deem it so, we we will give this movie a five out of ten. Well, how how about, would you rather watch The Amazing Colossal Man again or this movie again? Because your your score is lower for this movie. Yes. Would you rather watch The Amazing Colossal Man a second time? I'd rather watch neither of them. (laughs) (laughs) It's like, do you want to be stabbed in the left eye or the right eye? I, I prefer not to be stabbed at all. Um, so it's it's a hard grading for me. So I guess that that, that makes the the official podcast score a five out of ten. Yeah, so it's right there in the middle. I think honestly, I, I could agree with it being a four or a five because it's it's in my opinion, it's just a small step up from the amazing colossal man's score, which I gave. Well, I gave that one a four. What, what other? Oh, we, we've had a, a string of fours and fives with the American films. The, so. Look, the, the American films have been rough. That's why I I I started the show the way I did. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm gonna but, I'm gonna stick with our podcast one as a five. Not that it's a huge score, but I I personally feel like people could probably watch this and get a good deal out of it more than Deadly Mantis, Giant Claw, Begin of the End, which we all we gave fours to. I mean, again, those that's not a tall order. <laughs> Yeah, it's not a high that, bar. That that, compa- that comparison ain't, ain't the brag you think it is. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, that is that is gonna do it. That's our our final word and our final showing from Bert I Gordon. At least for a while, <laughs> for a while. Oh boy. So that's that's gonna do it for for this week's episode. You can follow us on Twitter at Kaiju versus History, and if you like this episode or any of other. I mean, these do feel like mystery science theater, 3000 torture experiments for, for some of them. If you like these deep dives though, into the history of these movies, why they were made, give our episodes a, a, a response, subscribe, rate them, comment wherever you found these. And we love reading reviews and, and comments and getting your emails at Kaiju versus history at gmail.com and reading them. Uh, thank you miles and and listeners for tuning in and we're gonna catch you next time here on kaiju versus history when we're back in japan we got a new monster the same famous pedigree of kaiju film masters at the helm tune in next time as we get to history versus giant monster baron <laughs>